Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome home. This is Tracy, and we want to thank you for being a part of the Life Together podcast. Before we get into this week's teaching, we want you to know that you matter to God and you matter to us. Life Together is a Wednesday evening gathering for worship, Bible study, and community here at Oak Creek Assembly of God in Oak Creek, Wisconsin. Let's turn to the book of Acts, chapter 16, verse 25. Acts 16, verse 25 says this, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Let's pray as we get started tonight. Lord, I love you. I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that you have not left us alone. You have given us your word. And tonight, as we explore your word, that you would allow our hearts to be transformed. Allow us to leave this room looking a little bit more like your son because of your word. I pray for open hearts. Make us shapeable tonight in your presence. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. We need to do a little rewind for those of us who, those of you who weren't with us last week, because you're actually jumping into a part two, because last week we started in Acts chapter 16, and then we left it at kind of this grand cliffhanger moment. So I'm going to catch you up real fast. Last week in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas share the gospel with two women. The first woman, her name is Lydia, and Lydia is affluent, and she is well-respected in her community. And when Lydia receives the gospel, when she comes to a safe knowledge of Jesus Christ. She is welcome into the church, and everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. Then Paul and Silas share the gospel with a different woman a couple days later, and this woman is a Philippian slave, and she is demon-possessed. And in this moment of God lining up his path with her path, Paul and Silas cast the demon out of this woman and then the town that they're living in loses their collective minds over this woman becoming a Christian. And so they come together. They get the city master to come in and to capture Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas are then brought in before them. They are stripped of their clothes. They are beaten with rods, and they are put into prison. And not just any prison. They are put into the inner cell. And the Bible says that their ankles are strapped with chains and things are going very, very poorly. The hours go by until they find themselves at midnight in the inner cell of this prison with their limbs in chains as their bodies are throbbing from the beating they received earlier that day. Do you know what I hate? I hate telling a story that people already know the ending to. And so if you have never read this story, don't you dare read ahead right now while I'm talking. And if you have heard this story before, I want to invite you to come back over on this side of the fence with me, because I think there's some things that we miss as we tell or as we hear the story. I don't think that this is a story of one miracle. I think this is a story of four miracles, and we're going to go through tonight, and we're going to give each one of those miracles a little bit of attention as we walk through Acts chapter 16. Tonight is the final night of our six-week series called Serendipity. And so I know that August is a big month and that there's a lot of travel plans and getting ready for school for things that has kind of made you hop back and forth. In this six weeks, we've been focusing on what it means to be a spirit-led person, what it means to be in tune with God's voice and what that feels like 
that our plans are movable and changeable? What does it feel like at the beginning of the day for me as a child of God to surrender my man-made plans to God's God-sized plans and walk through my day with that kind of a mindset? We've been talking a lot about God's sovereignty, about how although there's so much in life that we don't know, he is the all-knowing, and that with God's sovereign, miraculous plans, he has great things in store for those who marry together the listening and the doing, those who learn the voice of the Spirit, hear him, and then are matched with a brave heart willing to follow God and to say yes. And it is God's miraculous, sovereign plans that lead us to this moment in the prison, in the middle of the night. And we're going to reread that verse I just read. 1625, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Miracle number one, two men are singing together at midnight. Okay, so I understand that Paul and Silas were not American men, but for the sake of having a little fun along our journey tonight, let's pretend that they are, and that, uh, that Paul and Silas are two very stereotypical masculine American men, and let's make it even better. They're not just American, they're Wisconsin men. So maybe, I don't know, maybe one of them is Puerto Rican, maybe one of them has a cabin up north that he inherited from his grandparents, Maybe one of them says wagon instead of wagon. And so one day, Paul texts Silas and says, hey man, do you want to go to the Brewers game Friday night? And so Silas texts back, yeah. He doesn't text back yes, because that would be too professional. He doesn't text back yeah with an exclamation point because he doesn't want to come across overzealous. And he definitely does not text back emoji baseball, emoji heart, because... <laughs> Is Paul going to think he loves baseball, or is Paul going to think he loves Paul? And we don't want to get into this. So he plays it close to the chest. He picks out a pair of shorts, and he picks out a jersey to wear. It's not yellow because it's not 2019. And so he comes into the game, and they meet each other, and they greet each other with just a really warm, hey. So the two of them get together. They sit down. They start watching the game. There's very mild chatter going on, so they're both having a fabulous time, though they don't show it on their faces. And so they're enjoying the night, and then somewhere about the end of the sixth inning, there is a demon-possessed woman two aisles over. Now, if this whole scenario seems very unlikely to you, then you've never sat in the 400 section at a Brewers game <laughs> because crazy stuff happens. So they see this woman, God speaks to them, you kind of know the story, right? So they cast the demon out of this woman, and then they get arrested. And these two men who started off the day feeling fairly independent, feeling fairly autonomous, go through something together. They are humiliated together. They are beaten together. Their resolve is tested, and when they survive, after going through this trial together, these two men are united. What the enemy meant to destroy builds strength and strengthens unity. And I want you to hear this tonight. Suffering bonds people together and sufficiency separates. So if you feel like you can provide everything you need on your own, then the relationships in your life are dangerously unnecessary. 
if you feel like you can get your job done without the help of your fellow employees, if you feel like you can get it done without the goodwill of the people that you serve, you're in a dangerous place. If you feel like you can parent your children without a support system, if you feel like you can get your addictions under control without help, if you feel like you can fix your marriage without help, you're in a dangerous place. When people say, I can do this by myself, it is the sound of a lifeboat for one sailing out into the ocean. Suffering bonds people together and sufficiency separates. You can separate yourself and live alone, but when two men start singing together at midnight, it is the song of unity. We are in this together. I am here for you and you are here for me. Paul, heart emoji, Silas, I love you. We have suffered together, and I care for you. We have a shared experience, and because of that, I am closer to you, and I am closer to God. There's two reasons that Paul and Silas were singing songs at midnight. The first reason is because God was worthy, because God is always worthy. God is always worthy in all of our suffering. He is worthy on the good days and the bad days. He is good, and he is always worthy of our praise. And the second reason Paul and Silas were worshiping together, singing out loud, is because the sound of the their testimony leaving their lungs encouraged each other. It reminded them that they weren't in this alone. It reminded them that they did not need to be sufficient on their own, but they had someone with them. They were bonded together as the body of Christ to survive and to thrive in trial. We need to sing together. I feel like this is my perfect soapbox as a worship pastor. But when I tell you I want you to sing more, I'm not actually speaking about singing in our worship services at church. I would love to encourage you to sing more in your homes and in your cars and in your showers and allow moments for God to express praise through you that vocally comes out. And I know that can be difficult for a lot of people. I think it's one of the spots where American culture has kind of hopped out of line with biblical culture, is, is we have the habit where when you're about 13, you know, you go to seventh grade and they say, hey, your elective course is PE, it's choir, or you know, band, or art. And if you don't choose to be a singer, then you kind of by default choose to be a not singer, and then you're left to be the rest of your life as just a listener and a non-participator in the act of singing, I think this is a terrible miss. I think God has designed every one of his children to sing. Your voice is designed to whisper and to speak and to shout and to sing. And when we sing our testimony, when you sing of the good things that God has done in your life, your faith will expand, and then the people who hear you their faith will expand. Worship is an act of community. It is how we raise each other up. It is how we hold on to each other when tough days come our way. And that's why two men singing at midnight is a miracle. Acts 16 verse 26 says this. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Miracle number two, a violent earthquake causes very minor damage. So think about this. So like we've all seen 
the damage that an earthquake can do. It can be very serious, and the Bible describes this as a very serious earthquake. As Paul and Silas were worshiping God, the Bible says there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. This was not a small quake, and yet the ceiling doesn't collapse in. No one dies. The earthquake has a very specific effect. Every prison door is opened, and every chain is loosened. This is just God, and this is God's amazing flex. For the one who made the universe, for the one who wrote all the rules, anything is possible. Sometimes I think that we are short-sighted when we begin to kind of like assist God in the solution to our problems, that we kind of like help him find the steps he needs to solve our problems, that it's like, oh, you know, God, I've got this difficult conversation at work tomorrow, so, you know, if you could... You could do this and, and this and this and this, and we kind of like walk God through this for his sake. And then we like usually tag on a bribe at the end that starts off with like, well, if you, then I will, and we kind of plan all of these things out. And God says, okay, or, or I could just shake the foundations of the earth. And I think, you know, if I get into Paul and Silas's head, I see that that night, you know, that Silas is probably sitting there at some point going, man. We're stuck in this prison. If, if, I, could, if I could just get a key, if I, if, I, if I could just get a key to one of these doors, we'd be good. And Paul's like, no, 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 I have a better idea. We should write a strongly worded email to the mayor of this city and talk about how unfairly we were treated. Like, that, that, that's going to do it. And God says, or I could shake the foundations of the earth. I am who I am. And why, you know, why is it that God decided to use an earthquake out of all the millions of options that God could have chosen to accomplish his goals? I don't know. And don't try and explain him away. Don't try and explain him down. He's just God. He is. He is above all of these things. And his ability to show up in the moment and go, I have my will to be accomplished, and I would like to be known right now, is him. And it is what makes an earthquake with very specific damage a miracle. Acts 16, 27 and 28 says this. The jailer woke up, and when we saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Miracle number three, no one escapes. Okay, so this is the part of the story that I think was not described to me well as a child because all the prison doors come loose, all of the chains fall off, and no one escapes. And I'm confused because I'm thinking, well, wasn't this the purpose of Miracle 1 and number 2, right? Miracle 1, singing at night. Miracle 2, earthquake. Miracle 3, I get out of jail, right? Like, isn't, isn't this... The point of what's going to happen, I think, you know, we imagine that this is the way that it would be, right? That, like, Paul and Silas are like, hey, look at us. We're free. So they're, like, walking out of the jail, and, like, they see the jailer, and they're like, eat dirt, man. And they're like, this is what you get for trying to control my right to worship in public. Stomping out of there, and it's, like, slow-mo, like, action flick. And then, like, there's some kind of, like, gas leak that happened from the earthquakes. There's an explosion behind them, and, like, body parts and cement bricks are, like, flying in the background as they're walking out. They're like, victory for Jesus, Right? And then, like, the credits start rolling and a newsboy song starts playing. It's like, <laughs> starring Kirk Cameron. And so, I like all of those people. I'm looking forward to seeing the newsboys in our own sanctuary. 
But I think sometimes this is how we visualize victory as a Christian. Victory is, is to step on someone, that victory is to conquer. And yes, God wants us to conquer over the devil. But God really, 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 really cares about sinners. And there was a sinner in that jail that night. There was a lost sheep in the jail that night. And if any single of the prisoners escaped, that man could have lost his life. Paul and Silas were immediately in tune with the Spirit of God and knew that something greater was happening here. And if you were someone who might believe that the jailer's death would have been somehow deserved because the jailer was a sinner or because the jailer was part of a evil system or a corrupt system, then I really want to challenge your thinking tonight because we should not underestimate the compassion of God. If I go back and count these miracles, I'm beginning to think that miracle number one, two men are singing at midnight, was not about Paul and Silas escaping. And I'm beginning to think that miracle number two of an, a violent earthquake causes very specific damage was not about Paul and Silas escaping. And that's why miracle number three is no one escapes. Let's keep reading. Acts 16, verse 29 and 30. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Miracle number four. A sinner is saved. And I promise you, outside of all the great worship services and all of the grand miracles, this is the greatest miracle. When the jailer asks the question, what can I do to be saved? He's not talking in Christian lingo the way we, we, we would talk about being saved. He's talking about his literal physical body. Because why? Because he thinks he's about to die. He thinks if one of these prisoners gets out, I'm going to get it fired. No, it's going to be worse than fired. I, I, I'm going to be killed for what would happen here. How can I be saved? How can my body not die tonight? And Paul and Silas start, start taking out big scoops of good news to pass off to this young jailer. And they say, hey, I've got some good news for you. And the first piece of good news is that your body is not going to die tonight. Everyone's still here. No one's going anywhere. We could all run out of here, but we care about you. Paul and Silas are aware that there is a greater story here than their escape. And so we're all holding still because we want to see your life preserved. Good news number two is I want you to know better than just your body not dying tonight, your soul has the opportunity to also not die. That your soul, and Paul and Silas sit there in the prison in the middle of the night and they start explaining the gospel and it goes like this. We believe that God created the world. There's a loving God who made all of us. But God was separated from us because of sin. And in that disconnect, he was separated from the creation that he loved. But he wanted to make a path back. And that path was a man named Jesus who lived a perfect life. And because Jesus died on a cross for sins that he did not commit, he was that perfect lamb that was sacrificed so that this jailer's sins could be forgiven. And that Jesus didn't stay dead. His example of his resurrection promises to each one of us 
that we too can be resurrected. And so, yes, Mr. Jailer, your body's going to be okay tonight, but guess what else? Your soul can be okay tonight. And then he gives them good news number three, and that looks like this. And the gift isn't just for you. And the jailer says, because even though I might be a sinful man, there are people that I love, and there is a wife at home that I love, and there are children that I love, and if I know that my soul can be rescued, I want their soul to be rescued too. And this is all happening in the middle of the night. The Bible tells us the jailer then got his whole family, and his whole family got baptized in the middle of the night because a family had come to faith, had come to a saving knowledge, all because God needed two missionaries to be in that jail that night, and that was his miraculous sovereign plan. And Paul and Silas raised their hands and said, sure, choose us. We'll go. We will say yes. We will be the ones to be there we will be the ones to speak truth and to share the gospel. I think God is calling every single one of us to be the people who say yes. This is the adventure. This is what it looks like to serve God. This is what it looks like to be a listener and a doer of the spirit-led life. I promise you, wherever you are at, whatever you are going through, whatever trials, whatever suffering that God has placed in your path, whatever challenges you have for this season, God wants you there. God has a plan for you there. God has a plan for you in your marriage. He has a plan for you in your workplace. He has a plan for you in your parenting and in your grandparenting and in your singlehood. God has a plan for you. And we want to be the people who open our hearts, open our palms, and say yes. Let's pray together tonight. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, that you are here with us in this place. We feel your presence in worship. I thank you, God, that you have allowed each one of us to have the privilege to sing songs of praise to you. I pray, Lord, that you would allow your word to be in us. I pray, God, that as we continue to think through this message, as we continue to think through your word, that you would allow our attitudes and our actions to be transformed. I pray that you would raise us up. I pray that each one of us would have our faith expanded just a little bit as we trust in you, as we lean into your good and perfect will for our lives. I pray for every individual that's in this room tonight. I pray that no one would leave this room feeling unseen. I pray that every person who's here tonight would know your love. If there is someone tonight who is standing on the edge of faith, who maybe has seen some of these things, who have heard some of these things, I pray, God, that you would encourage that person and give them the bravery to take the next step. I pray that you would bless them. I pray, Lord, that they would feel the love of the Father. I pray that they would also feel the love of this church and the love of God's people. We love you. We thank you so much for your good and perfect ways. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us for the Life Together podcast. It's even better when we get to see you in person. You are invited to join us on Wednesday evenings here at Oak Creek Assembly of God. We are a church that exists to reach our world for Christ as we lead people to discover and become who God has created them to be. Find us online at Oak Creek 